0: The, the Spurs, Spurs Cast with, with your, your host, Paul Garcia.
1: And welcome back to another episode of the Spurs Cast. In this two part mega pre draft episode, I spoke with Project Spurs writer Benjamin Bornstein on Tuesday for part one. And then in part two, you'll hear my interview with former Project Spurs writer Trevor Ziegraph that we recorded on Monday. So I'm really looking forward to, for you all to listen to this episode where I had Ben and Trevor on. We usually do this every year where I have the three of us together, but unfortunately our schedules, our schedules just didn't work out on the same day. So I actually recorded Trevor's part first, and then I, I recorded Ben's part second. So so you again, you'll hear from both, both, um, um, both Ben and, and Trevor, and they're very plugged into the draft and, you know, they have a good, con, they have a good. Um, a lot of knowledge about, about draft prospects. So that's why I definitely want to have them both on. It's just that you'll have to hear the different segments of, of the interview. Uh, we discussed whether the Spurs should try to trade up for another lottery pick and who San Antonio should draft if they do trade up as well as second round picks, uh, second round pick prospects. So let's go ahead and jump right into this episode with Ben first. And then in part two, I'll have the interview with Trevor. And now joining me is project Spurs writer, Benjamin Bornstein. Ben, you and I are recording this on Tuesday evening, uh, June twentieth. So there has been more rumblings since after the segment that I recorded with, with Trevor Zieggraf. So what I want to do first, Ben, is go through some of these latest trade rumblings about whether or not the Spurs are going to move up in the uh, in the draft. They're going to at least try to, and then we can do, let's just get your opinion there, and then we'll kind of go into the prospects. So. First, let's go through the through the uh, trade rumblings. On Monday, June nineteenth, Mike Finger, of the San Antonio Express News, reported that um you know he 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 had a discussion with uh, Spurs GM Brian Wright and he posed a few questions to Wright and here's some of Wright's responses. So as far as um Finger asked him you know any realistic deal out there that would make the Spurs open to trading either Devin Vassell or Keldon Johnson? Brian Wright said no, flatly. They they want to try to give these young players a chance together with Juan Banyama. Or he couldn't say Juan Banyama's name, but you know with 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 the acquisition of the number one pick. Right. Then um, Finger asked him you know what if there's a combination of combining 33 and 44 to move up is that that realistic and he said sure maybe that's a right responded also maybe using some of those those future first round picks is is that is that a move maybe the spurs do and and brian right yes said yeah that's kind of on the table then on Tuesday finger was asked, um, you know, uh, about that, about, you know, is it real is, you know, if there's a really good offer out there, are, are the Spurs going to turn it down for like a player like Kelton, if if, if they want to move him. And, and finger said that, yeah, you know, when you're on the record as a GM, you have to basically say, no, that's like a hard question. So like he says that, you know, he doesn't think they'll move Kelden but he did say, you know, he wouldn't be, you know, it, it wouldn't be shocking if Kelden ends up getting moved or a player under contract, even though, uh, uh you know, after he said no on, on the record of uh, Brian, Wright. Then on, on, um, also on Tuesday, uh, June 20th, Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer wrote, wrote an article, um, his latest mock draft update. And on there, he had some notes about the Spurs. He said this. He said, there's been rumblings that the Spurs are exploring trades for a second lottery pick. Rival executives speculate they're targeting one of the Thompson twins, either Amin or, or Osser or uh, Bilal Koulibaly, who is uh, Wembenyama's teammate. So I guess my question to you here, Ben, is... Do you do you agree with that? That if there's a deal out there where they can that they, there's a player they like in the in the lottery area, um, that maybe the Spurs would be willing to put um, Kelden Johnson on the table if they had to, or they wouldn't they wouldn't just like flatly say no. What are your thoughts there?
2: Uh, I would I would agree. It has to be a deal that's just too good to say no to. I mean, it's gonna it's got to be a team that is kind of desperate for a role player mm-hmm. or, or desperate for a guy who can be your third or fourth option, I should say, and would fill. He's a, he's a great energy guy. Obviously, Kelton Johnson does a lot of nice things. He's gotten better on his shooting. Um, you know, his percentages may not say that this year, this past season. I, his volume went up drastically with them to sell out for so many games. And frankly, with this team needing literally anybody to shoot the ball. So I think that there's probably going to be a deal or two out there that are going to be incredibly enticing. And they're going to involve Keldon Johnson. And again, you don't really want to include Keldon Johnson. I I think Brian Wright really does have the intention of, we're going to try and run it back with the same team, plus Victor Wimbanyama, plus whoever else we pick in this draft. And I think the more likely scenario is that the Spurs package, the two second rounders and future assets rather than a current player in order to move up in this draft. And, you know, you're talking about one of the Thompson twins, if you're talking about one of the Thompson swings, you're trying to move up into the top 10. That's what that yes.
1: says. Yes, correct. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, Balakulabali, I think, is the guy you can get just outside of that at 11 or 12. Yep. Still a lottery pick, but you're in the, the later part of the lottery, probably a little easier to get to. And there's probably some teams who are sitting in that no man's land of maybe 10 or 11 to 14 who are going to say, yeah. Give us some later picks. We'll take flyers on very low risk guys. Um, you know, we just barely missed the playoffs this year, whether it was because, you know, we if you're the Dallas Mavericks, you made a trade in season and you want Luca and Kyrie to just get more chemistry together and you don't need, you don't need other guys. You just need some dudes to fill out the roster. Mm-hmm. I think, the Dallas Mavericks have been a target of a lot of trade rumors Mm -hmm. um, in that regard, because they're, they're a team. I think that's kind of dangling that pick on people and saying, yeah, you can come get it for the right price. Please come take the pick from us. We want to give it to you. Um, So I think the, the Spurs maybe do that. I mean, there's a bit of in, in division rivalry there, but um, if the price is right, I think the, the, the Spurs might, might take the bait.
1: Yes. And, and, um, you know, as, as Trevor Zikraf and I, um, uh, discussed in, in a segment that you're going to hear later Spurs listeners, when I spoke, spoke with him in an interview on a previous day, the problem like, like Ben just noted there is that a lot of these teams that are in that 60, like 14 range, they're not those teams. that just want assets anymore. These are teams that need, you know, good. Like Ben said, role players, players that are going to contribute right away. That's why we say a player like Kelden Johnson, you know, might have to be including one of these deals. And so that, so before we go to the, the prospects, Ben, let's just talk about those teams in the 60, 14 range. So what I have here is I have their number where, where, they're going to draft and then I have uh the words WNP and that means win now player these are not teams that just want you know future first or future seconds you know that kind of stuff they want player a player who can come in whether start or maybe come off the bench a a real contributor right away and that's why you think of Kelton as that player so first we have at six the magic who probably want to win now player we have definitely we know the Pacers want a starting caliber wing. They said they've that's that's been reported out there. So the Pacers are seven who don't want future assets. The Wizards, yes, they're probably heading a rebuild direction now that they move Bradley Beal. So yes, you know Wizards are still probably staying there. The Jazz kind of you know they they still kind of want to rebuild a little, little bit while being competitive. The Mavs, like you mentioned, Ben, are definitely a team that wants a good player right now. The Magic they have eleven. They want a good player. Uh, we have Thunder at twelve. Kind of you know it it, it kind of depends. The thirteen is the Raptors. We don't know quite what direction they're heading in the event they lose Fred Van Vliet free agency and then of course the pelicans are 14 they're still want to stay competitive they're in that win now mode as well so that's the problem is that you can't just say you want to give you know those two second rounders or future first to a team because a lot of these teams may say no they want a win now player so now knowing that let's talk about some of these players in that um that like six to 14 range i would say and uh, so so you already discussed Ahmed thompson he's probably not there he, he he goes um his draft range is like four to nine he probably goes about fifth is the uh, average mock for him we have jairus walker uh, that player who the Spurs have interviewed before, uh, in that five to seven range, he's supposed to go somewhere around there. We have uh, uh, Ahmed's brother Asar, who's supposed to go in that like five to ten range. Uh, we have Anthony Black. Um, he's, his his mock average is, is about eighth. He's like sixth to eleventh in the in the ranges. Bilal, like you mentioned, Ben, uh, can go anywhere from like nine to sixteen. Probably about twelve. The perfect place for him, and then a a player that the Spurs, I believe, interviewed or worked out was Kaysen Wallace. Um, his draft range is about eight to 16, so he's more that late lottery kind of projection. Any of those players intrigue you, Ben? Do you think the Spurs, if if, even if they had to put Kelder on the table, they should go out and get one of these players?
2: Yeah, I think Bilal Kulabali is a guy who's he's picking up a lot of steam, and he's a guy who's really not just picking up steam as a potential Spurs kind of player, but he's picking up steam as just a guy who is moving up in the first round. I think beginning of the year not on a whole lot of people's radar he was very much um you know guys who really get deep into the draft who are who are re- who are much better with the overseas stuff than i am um they they knew about him and they're like yeah you know Victor Wembanyama obviously the guy in mets 92 but cool Bali, very nice player be on the lookout um so now everybody is kind of feeding off it because bali has been playing really well the last month or so of their season and you know he helped their team get to the finals of of their league so um he's a good player he's and i think the reason that he's very he's very popular as a Spurs pick if the Spurs decide to move up in the draft one it would give victor Wembanyama some continuity in teammates yep
0: mm-hmm
2: they those two already have good chemistry. They know how each other plays. And two, Bilal Koulibaly is still fairly raw.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: He has he has a lot of things he can learn and a lot of he's he's very moldable in in what he can what you can have him do on offense. I think he's already a solid defender, from what I understand. So you potentially draft your Keldon Johnson replacement there and feel better about it. I mean, if he's You know, you've got his range here as 9 to 16, averaging 12. The Magic, I would argue, may not even need a win-now player at 11 because I think Mm -hmm. they're going to trade the number 11 pick. They've been dangling, Mm -hmm. from what I've been hearing, they've been dangling potentially 6 and 11, but a lot of 11 is what I'm hearing Mm -hmm. because they they will draft a win-now player at 6. But if they can get something in return like... Another player who is established, maybe a Keldon Johnson, um, who, by the way, would be the first non-long boy on the Magic's roster. I mean, almost everybody else on that roster is some sort of long boy. I mean, you got Paolo Bancaro, you have Bull Bull, you have Wendell Carter, you have Franz Wagner, you, you have Mo Wagner. It's insane. <laughs> you have you have all these tall dudes. So Keldon Johnson would be like, "Yeah, I'm going to bring our
0: average height down a little bit here." one of the scenarios I, there you could maybe get Taylor
2: Hendricks, who I also happen to like, and I think would be really nice at 11, but I haven't, I mean, you've got, you've got on here.
0: People may or may not be able to see his acting. Um, there's certainly
2: opportunities to get up and get him, but you have to. If you're the Spurs and like for, for whatever reason Taylor Hendricks is your guy, if you decide that's the guy we're trading up for, you have to be incredibly sure okay. that he is going to be available at 11. Because okay. there, I don't think there's a guarantee of that. If the if for whatever reason the Mavericks keep their pick, I think there's a good chance they take it.
1: Okay, yeah, I know for sure, and it doesn't look right now, from what we see here, that he's going to fall to 11. I mean, 10th might be the worst he does, uh, based on what we're seeing here. Like you said, the Mavericks. Uh, and, and, so Trevor mentioned two guys here: uh, Kobe Bufkin and uh, Jalen Hood-Shafino. are uh, you know, Kobe's supposed to go there at 12th, and kind of have his average range, and then uh, Jalen's is at 14th. Do you have Do you have any interest in whether or not the Spurs to try to maybe not trade Keldon, but maybe try to trade a future first, or, or you know, multiple firsts, just try to try to get in that area? What do What do you think in that late lottery range? Yeah, I would even. I mean, I like the guys Trevor mentioned, and to be a
2: little contrarian, I'll. I would say I, I would not trade up for Grady Dick. I I, mm-hmm. I would agree. I would assume Trevor didn't mention him for no. A he didn't, no,
1: just uh, he just mentioned Kobe and, and Jalen. as like two yeah. players that I didn't have on on the board that he kind of, and that's why I put their names in there. Now that I've talked, okay, about them. I got you.
2: So yeah, like Kobe, I, I think Kobe Bufkin has been getting a lot of hype. He still scares me a bit as a potential second ball handler. I mean, Jalen Hood Shafino kind of has the same issues. Um I think Hood Shafino is listed at 6'4 right now. Um, and he would be kind of an undersized two. Or certainly, and he's certainly not a good enough ball handler to be a one. But I, I think if they go in a completely different direction, and I've I've been seeing the the hype for Derek Lively lately to be, apparently he's been having really great workouts. And so he's Mm -hmm. moving up boards. That was the guy who was the top recruit in the 2023 class. And, you know, he had an injury, he suffered. He didn't, he wasn't playing the role people thought he would at Duke. He wasn't shooting as much as maybe he did in high school. So people got a little scared they, you know, they got a little scared off Derek Lively. But I think, I think if the Spurs... Drafted him at eleven. If they go up and get the magic pick, two seven footers re- yeah. create some twin tower action. That could be wild, because oh, wow. I mean Victor Wim and Yamat will have more of the offense early, earlier than Derek Lively will, but they're both going to be. They both should be fairly good defenders right away. Okay. And at yep. the very worst, Derek Lively is a pick and roll lob threat and a rim runner, which you can certainly use. I mean, they use Jacob Pertl that way and he's Derek no slight to Jacob Pertl who was a phenomenal center and was fantastic in a Spurs uniform, but Derek Lively is much more athletic Yeah, and, and should, should get above the rim. And he is a major lob threat. Like I, I think if, the Spurs did that, it would be, I think it would be incredibly surprising. I think a lot of people would say, wow, did not see that coming. But I could see the Spurs getting a little weird and saying, you know what? We got two titles out of Twin Towers. Why not try for a couple more?
1: Yeah, and then the fact that he and Wemby could just grow together in, year, you know, in those four years that they're on the rookie contracts. And honestly, I wouldn't even call it surprising because there was just a report out this past weekend from Yahoo Sports that they're going to target centers in either free agency or via trade. So what if they just find a center in the draft? Like Derek Lively there at 11, you know? I, mean, I, that's so right. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Corruption. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to keep that. It's very interesting. I'm going to definitely keep keep an eye on, on him at, wherever he goes and see if Santana gets involved there. Um, yeah, so... So again, those are just some prospects there uh, in, the, in the first round In the event. The Spurs do try to move up in the lottery. Like Ben and I kind of agreed is that like, you know, if there's a deal out there that, that a player that they really want, I don't think they're going to say, you know, no, to maybe having to add Keldon in a trade if that's what it's going to take to move the needle over there. All right, Ben. Now let's just, let's just go through a scenario where the Spurs are able to package 33 30, and 44 for a late first round pick. So it doesn't have to be a lottery pick, maybe somewhere like 18 to 30 range. So let's just say a team agrees to that kind of a deal. And so I'm just going to I'm just going to name a few players here that are kind of showing up in this in these ranges on mocks. And just tell me if any of these players intrigue you. Uh, we have Keontae George. His mock average is about 18th. We have Nick Smith, Jr. out of Arkansas. Uh, his average is 18th. Also, Olivier Maxence Prosper uh, averages 23rd. Uh, Jaime Hawkins, Jr., who has been moving up 25th. Uh, Bryce Sensiball, 28th. Derek Whitehead, 29th. And then uh, a, a player that Trevor liked that I didn't have on my board was James Naji. Uh, his average is about 29th. Any of those players intrigue you?
2: So it's funny, Trevor mentioned uh, James Naji. They so he's been working out with Serge Ibaka. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe he's out of Barcelona. That's the team. yeah. he's Barcelona. of mm-hmm. Barcelona. Um, they just released his measurements. I don't think he was at the combine. So somebody just released his measurements, and he measured out seven feet in shoes. Oh wow! Oh wow! So a lot of people are now very intrigued with James Naji. And I think that's going to get him moved up boards. Um, the the height, the wingspan—that's what's going to do it. Um, I'm not sure the Spurs make that pick. I also—it also depends on what those two second round picks get you, if mm-hmm. you know where it gets you in that late first round. Um, I mean, if it if it only moves you, I, I would be surprised if it only moves them up about four spots to 29. And I, I'm not sure I would yeah, take you. Maggi- before 25 um, mm-hmm. just because I I just don't know as much as, as maybe some other people do about Najee so I'm not as comfortable making that pick but uh, a guy like Olivier Maxson's Prosper who I have gotten to watch and who, play, who played at Marquette this past year mm-hmm. who actually um, he's a bit raw for being a guy who spent three years in college part of it was he really didn't get a lot of playing time at Clemson, and then he was figured himself out at Marquette the last two years. Um, but he's he's a guy I really like too. Who's who's kind of raw on offense, but he should be a solid defender. You're gonna have to teach him a few things, but I think he could be a solid defender. Um, the sh- The shooting has to be more consistent. I think he's a good spot up, but he's not really doing much off the dribble. But he he's good out in transition. I like him a lot, and if if the Spurs get him at 23. I wouldn't hate that either. I'd prefer to. I know it's only like two or three picks, but I'd really like to see him at 25 or 26. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think That's great value. Um, but a guy like Jaime Jaquez is interesting to me because he's basically been a second round. He's been solidly a second round guy for a lot of the college basketball season. And I think just recently, he's, I've been seeing him move up a bit.
0: Yep. Uh-huh. Um,
2: I'd like him too. That's, that's a guy who you know can shoot. He can shoot threes. Mm-hmm. He can shoot in the mid range. He can get to a spot in the mid range. He makes tough shots. I would not hate that pick at all. I would kind of like that pick. As a matter of fact, those those two guys are probably who I feel best about at, at around those spots.
1: Okay. Okay. So so yeah, that's in the event that the Spurs can. You know, it doesn't have to be both picks. Maybe it's like thirty three and something else to move up to. Um, you know, cool. late first round. We'll, we'll see what happens there. All right. So now. um you know, we don't know for sure yet if the Spurs are going to even use these two picks, the 33 and 44. You know, there's been, there's been rumors out there that, they're, that they're, trying to, they're trying to package them together or you know, move, move off of them just because, you know, they're, they're, they already, they're already have a lot of players under contract just coming into this coming season. They don't have a lot of roster spots. And then if they want to bring back like Julian Champagne and um, uh, Dominic Barlow, then a lot of their two-way spots are taken up. They, they would just have one. So that's why I think it's leaning toward – I'm leaning toward probably the Spurs not using these 33 and 44 picks. But let's just talk about some prospects in the event they do use them. So, so here's some players at 33 uh, on different mocks. So there, there's just one mock that had um, Jaime Hawkins there. I don't think he'll he'll fall there. I think he's going to go f- before that. Uh, we have Trace Jackson Davis. Mock average is 31st. Kobe Jones's mock average is right there at 33. Gigi Jackson mock average 34. Andre Jackson, who I saw that you you just f- finished writing a piece on in the back end for us, Project Spurs uh, 36. Marcus Sasser 36. And then, um, or is there anyone that you would prefer there at 33? So what are your thoughts on any of these players?
2: I gg jackson at 33 is very interesting to me okay um there's a lot of people i i saw one mock draft and now i can't remember whose it was but i saw a mock draft that actually had Gigi jackson going to the spurs at 33.
0: yes mm-hmm.
2: and i you know their their logic was basically you know if this guy had stayed a year in high school like he was supposed to and if he had gone to unc in this in this recruiting class in the 2023 recruiting class possibly he's a lottery pick in the next draft Mm, okay right and there was there was a lot of talk about him despite his age being potentially a lottery pick in this draft that is until you know he got benched for a couple games in the middle of the season because there were there were maturity issues but to be fair south carolina was also horrific um you know if you're supposed to be the star player on a team and your teammates kind of suck and your your coach isn't giving you much to work with, I might be upset too. But also you made the decision to reclassify, go early, mm-hmm. and, and go to a school that is that you had to know was not going to be a, a very good team. So, you know, a lot of that falls on Gigi Jackson too. So a lot of people are a lot of people are logicking it out and saying or rationalizing it and saying, oh, well, you know, Gigi Jackson could He, you know, he could be served by a couple years in the Spurs system and, you know, they can, they can kind of knock the immaturity out of him. And I'm like, maybe, but why would they want to do that? Mm -hmm. Unless you see something truly special. Why are you bothering grabbing a guy who's essentially a flyer at 33, even early in the second round? That's a guy you're maybe using for a two way. You know why? Why would I bother grabbing a guy who's going to have maturity issues? How is he going to respond when we send him down to the G League? Mm-hmm. And he's playing in the G League, so I don't like that pick. I don't like the rationale behind it. Not a fan. Um, but between those guys, Andre Jackson and Trace Jackson Davis, to me, are very intriguing. Although I would say TJD um, probably less so if the. Sp- really are targeting another center in this draft and get some they, they move up into the first and get somebody I would say don't even bother looking at TJD there's no way he's going to San Antonio but if for whatever reason they get a wing maybe in the first round and they move up mm-hmm. TJD could be on the could be on the radar there really good so he's undersized at 69 as a center
0: mm-hmm.
2: great defender though abused everyone who guarded him in the post you it didn't matter who you put on him. He was getting buckets for Indiana, period. And mm-hmm. he was a good enough passer that he, when he was getting double teamed, he passed out of it. He may not have a lot of assists, but that's because there were really only one or two other guys on that team who could shoot the ball. Oh. The other being Jalen Chifino. But him at 33 would not hate. Andre Jackson I happen to like a lot. That's That's a connective guy. That's a glue guy to me. Andre Jackson. I, I just wrote that. It's actually the headline for, for that. <laughs> Hopefully it's coming out, you know, Wednesday or Thursday before the draft. Yeah. Um, but he, there's not anything he does extremely well. He kind of does everything, a little bit of everything fairly well. He has to be, he has to become a better shooter. He has a weird hitch in his shot. It looks like a push shot. It's a problem for sure, but defensively, he's very good. He's high energy. He's a great rebounder. He's a good passer. Um, he's a great cutter. So to me, Andre Jackson at thirty-three, I think, is a really nice pickup. And you kind of you send him to the G League and say, "Hey, these are all the mechanical things we want you
1: to fix with the shot. Work on it here." Okay, so so um, you said uh, Andre Jackson there, and then if not, if they if they draft a wing early or they get they get a wing early like via trade then then maybe look at trades jackson davis but if they get it big then probably not at okay. okay so there's some some um, options there at 33 and then lastly let's just again say that they don't trade 44 and they end up having to they, have, they end up drafting drafting a player let's just talk about some names here that, that are popping up on different mocks and then you kind of just tell me if any, if any of these players intrigue you we have a um, tristan Vukcevic uh his mock average is 45th uh seth lundy mock average is 43rd jordan walsh who the spurs did work out uh comes in right perfectly at 44th uh turquavian smith he just showed up on today on a mock on tuesday at 45th um we have kobe brown 46th uh adama sanago also wasn't on the spurs radar but now he's he's a player that somebody put on a mock at 48 and then imani bates 52nd or is there anybody else that would intrigue at 44 what's your thoughts there
2: i do like adama sanago that's that's another one that's going to be dependent on what the spurs do earlier in the draft mm-hmm. even what they do at 33 if they keep that pick because if they end up with a guy like tjd at 33 they're definitely not picking adama Sinogo at 44 but if they do need a backup big and a guy that they know is going to play hard is going to do is going to play basketball the right way adama Sinogo is that guy uh, he's a little undersized at well as well at six nine probably bigger and stronger than tjd um Popped out a little bit and shot in the mid-range a little bit, but wasn't mm-hmm. taking huge volume there. Um, took some threes here and there throughout the season. was fine. But that's a guy I'd be interested in at 44. Um, and it, there's one other guy, if he falls there, I would love, Oh, I would love to see this guy in his Spurs jersey, Keontae Johnson.
1: Okay. Yes, mm-hmm. from uh, Kansas, right? Or Kansas State.
2: Kansas State. Yeah.
1: Kansas State. Mm-hmm.
2: So originally started at Florida. He was he was the player who had the heart issue. Collapsed on the floor yeah. against FSU. Mm-hmm. Um, Kansas State cleared him. Had a phenomenal season this year. I I had always been a fan of. his. I always thought he was gonna he was gonna be a good draft draftable player. Um, he's a big wing. He's six five or six six. He's like two hundred thirty pounds. He is strong. Mm-hmm. He's a, he has gotten better as a shooter every year in college and he he will do all the little things too. I just that, that's a guy I'm I've always been rooting for. Love his game, love him as a person, think he would be a great fit in San Antonio
1: yeah I just re- he's actually a player who pops out to me just because I watched a lot of the tournament and they went pretty far Kansas State you know I, I know I know just one of the plays that comes to mind is that one where um the, the point guard's looking at the coach and then he fit he does that that um no look alley you pass to Keontae Johnson and, and oh, just you, you, I, when I was watching those games it was like I wasn't as plugged into to like keeping an eye on mocks and stuff I, I I thought he was like a first round pick project just because he had that NBA sized body like he's a huge dude who's like already ready he looks like an NBA player his in terms of physicality and then when I started doing the mock stuff and I'm like oh my he's not he's like a late second rounder so I, yeah. I guess you know you, you should you tell me the reasoning there but yeah i i I'll, i wouldn't be opposed to them taking him as well and then uh he's on yeah, the other
2: side as well that's i, I that's think one of the other reasons he's the second oh, okay right. i mean yeah, he's, yeah. So, he's, i think he's already 22
1: oh okay yeah and then one, one guy that trevor was very critical if i could just say and i think you've done this as well is uh, that imani the, the imani bates imani bates right he's yes yeah so uh, yeah yeah he,
2: that's if you're the spurs you don't touch that with of the 10 football
1: Okay, yeah, that was very much what Trevor said there so, too. So, all right, man. So, yeah, like I said, thank you, thanks Ben for joining me. I mean, again, it was just good to get your thoughts. Um, and then especially that we had more um, recent information that you that you can get your thoughts on. Uh, so we'll see what happens. You know, obviously we know the easiest job for the Spurs is taking number one. That's gonna be Victor Wembanyama, and then from there it will be interesting to watch. I think that's what makes it fun, even though because we we've already known him now for two of like a month since they got since they, they won the lottery that they're taking Wemby. So it's kind of just kind of been very quiet around here. But now that that it's getting a little bit, there's picking up some steam that they might trade for a, a lottery pick, another lottery pick. with then that, that gets little interesting here so that makes it a little bit more fun to watch this draft um, aside from the part where Wemby gets drafted so thanks ben um have, have a great day all right thanks and now joining the spurs cast is former project spurs writer trevor zikraff trevor is very um into the draft you know into college college basketball and also just kind of evaluating prospects he's he's one of the uh people that we've had on the spurs cast before so welcome trevor uh, and I, I really wanted to get your opinion here on a, on a few of the the um, players in the first round or uh lottery Ah, How do I say it? draft picks in the first round? There you go. My lingo is all over the place. Uh, so, so obviously, Trevor, the easy decision for the Spurs is that they're going to take Victor Wimbanyama number one. So that's the easy part. What I want to re- what I want to visit here is what about them possibly trying to trade up for a player that they might have had some prior interest in? So the first two players we're going to talk about are players that either they they either worked out or maybe they they interviewed at least at the combine or, or they, they've interviewed along the way. And um, whether that was before or after they knew they were going to get Wimpy. So the first player, let's start here, is Jairus Walker. He's 6'8". Uh, his draft range is like that 5th through 7th um, area. He's, he's expected to go about 6th there on the uh, average mocks. Then we have Anthony Black, 6'7", out of Arkansas. Uh, draft range is also six through 9. Um, average is about 8th. And then Kason Wallace, a little bit further down, uh, he's 6'4". Draft range is about 10 to 16. Average is 14th. Uh, and then I listed here the teams that that are kind of there from 6 to 14. You have the, the Magic with 6. They've been reported to be shopping those picks. Uh, they have two of them in the first round. We have the Pacers at, at 7. They're looking for a starting caliber wing, uh, reportedly. We have the Wizards at 8, the Jazz at 9, uh, the Mavs at 10, who have been shopping that that pick as well, but they want to get like an immediate player who's going to improve their team to help out Luka. Uh, 11 is the Magic. Uh, 12 is the thunder 13 the raptors and 14 the pelicans so i don't know how you want to take that that question trevor do you think that first let me just ask you this do you think it's worth the spurs trying to trade up uh to get one of those players or and then um do you think they have the assets uh you know whether that's um you know packaging those two future seconds i mean those two second round picks or some future first round picks that they have uh i do want to know before you answer this question that we Did get some reporting from Mike Finger of the San Antonio Express News that uh, when when, um, GM Brian Wright from the Spurs was asked about whether or not Kelton Johnson and Devin Vassell could be traded, uh, he said no in terms of like they're not shopping. They're not shopping those two players. So I know that's a lot of information. What's what's your thoughts there on those two players?
3: So let's start with not shopping. Uh, Thanks for having me, by the way, Paul. It's always always a pleasure to be to be here talking draft with you. It's been we're going like a decade of talking the draft. Yeah. About it. So, um, but. so, okay, so we'll start with the finger report first, which is not shopping Devin and kelvin First of all, I I mean, I guess I would be stunned if Brian Wright came out and said, like, yes, we are shopping our, our starting mm. shooting gardens small forward, but also, like, for a variety of reasons, like, A, because those, like, I don't know, I feel like you're uh, limiting their value if you do that, and also, like, I don't know, part of me also thinks, like, from a sentimental per like perspective, like, those are Brian Wright's guys, and so, like, yeah. he drafted those guys, like, it's so... Mm-hmm he probably wants to see like, what do these guys look like now that I have a, you know, a potential superstar in Victor Wembanyama anchoring this offense, like, and defense. What, what do these guys look like when they're not, um, over text as, as, uh, as starters, you know, like, I mean, those guys are starting basketball players, but like they got asked to do a lot the last year, especially. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that he says that they're not, they're not shopping, but also like, let's say, um, well, let's say the, the Pacers, for example, because you mentioned they they there are reports out there that they're looking for a starting wing. Yes. Um, you know, if the Pacers called and offered, like, at seven and whatever, like, um, for Keldon, like, I don't know. Like, that's, yeah, listen. Like, it's, you know, like, whatever. Keldon and future Atlanta pick or future Spurs pick or whatever. Um, I think you I – mean, you at least have to to borrow the the Bill Simmons range. You got to have a meeting about it, like a long meeting yeah. about it, mm-hmm. um, because then I think you really are talking about uh, Jarius Walker uh, or Anthony Black in particular. I think Caseon Wallace's range is it's at least wider. It's probably a little bit. It's it, I think it's definitely like lower than seventh. Um, so I think you have to listen. But let me ask you. I was I've been talking to as many people as I can about this question, and it's like. If the Spurs bring back Trey Jones, which I think they're going to bring back Trey Jones because they have his restricted rights anyway. So it's not yeah. like they're going to it's not like they're going to get outbid. Um, so they, they bring back Trey Jones, Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson, Jeremy Soham, draft Victor Wembanyama, and bring back Zach Collins. And, and we assume because I feel like we've heard this both on the Wembanyama side and then some comments from Pop at the end of the year. Like Zach Collins is the starting center because they don't want Victor Wembanyama playing mm-hmm. center full time to start his career. So that's two starters right there. Of Trey Jones, Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson, Jeremy Sohan. Like, who are the other three starters? And um, uh, my my suspicion is uh, they would still want Trey Jones starting at point guard. But like, who of Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson, and Jeremy Sohan do you? Easier said, done. Like I think Sohan could do it, and maybe I don't even know if he'd be the best fit because I want him playing with well. Yeah, as exactly. Mm-hmm. So, and I think um, again, I think you know Devin's probably the second best player on the team. Uh, assuming Wembenyama is the first, uh, so I think he's also like pretty well suited to come off the bench. But um, I don't know; it's like going to be a contract year for him. So unless they extend him and then are like hey by the way we need you to be like the super six man like manu was it's hard and i don't think kelvin would be like a really good six man like i think that guy should be like playing off of other great players and Mm -hmm. and just like attacking the rim or or hitting open three you know what i mean so it's it's a really i don't know the answer it's a hard one like i don't know what the answer is
1: my answer to that would be I think they just go more unorthodox like what kind of how we saw them in the year just because I think Trey was yeah. was injured where they had we saw Branham starting there at the point so I think yeah. that they go unorthodox with like Devin Kelden running the one and two kind of thing, even though it's not, you know, it's not typical what you would normally see just because like, you're right. I don't think they can risk, you know, having Kelden, I mean, not Kelden, Sohan in year two coming off the bench, wasting those minutes. You got to see what he does with the I think that the key is to have Devin Wemby and, and Sohan all on the court as much as possible, just to build that chemistry that just in year one together and, and just especially for Sohan's versatility defensively. Now it is a weird lineup because, like I said, I don't see Sohan as a as a typical three, and it's not like you like you had mentioned to me off air. He's going to be great defensively. He's going to be fine. I think great uh, you know guarding um, different, you know, smaller players, t- taller players. It doesn't matter defensively. I think it's his, it's the offensive part. The fact that he's not quite just um, yet that, that, that shooter from outside. But he kind of just does a lot of things off the ball, and so that's kind of where it's going to be weird to watch. Yeah. So I think that's what they would do now if they do start with if they do start Trey. And they, let's just say they resign him. Uh, I, I I agree where I think that the, the default player to put on the bench is Kelden, but then like you said, he doesn't quite fit there. But I just think that's yeah. where he, I think he's the player who'd have to go to the bench in that case yeah. in, the, in the event that they want uh, Trey. And so, yeah, that, that's kind of my answer there. And, and, and it is interesting because we know they're going to, they're going to, it's basically, they're going to run into this problem with Wemby, uh, Sohan, and, um, and that five, whoever it is, even if it's not right. Zach Collins, because I know there was a report that they're going to look to try to sign a starting level three um, center or trade for a center. Yeah. I just think th- those three players have to start that five the, and then Wemby and Sohan. And it's yeah. just weird. Where do you, you know, where do you put them? So uh, again, I think just because they don't have a lot of expectations next year, they definitely want to improve they can kind of experiment and not not be as you know traditional yeah,
3: and they may like start one way and if it, it's yeah. not working or they just because they want to see what it looks like the other way then maybe they, maybe they just toggle with with that fifth starting spot but um to, to answer your question about like you know uh they were interested in Jared walker i can't remember did they interview him or did they they just interviewed him right
1: yeah i have i have some somewhere i think they just interviewed him yeah i'll pull it up real quick so I,
3: I, first of all i think he's he's awesome and like i think he's like actually like because of how just like gigantic he is, if you mm-hmm. were going to be like Wemby, you're the five, you know, quote unquote five. But Jairus Walker's like a monster, and he's going to be able to guard all the big, like the biggest dudes, except for like Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic. Um, I think he's like he would be a great fit, but also like even if you traded Keldon, that doesn't. I mean, maybe in year one it answers the question of like who's coming off the bench, but like at some point you're still going to run into the exact same issue of. Um, we have too many big, big wings now. Like, like, it's so funny. Like, they went from having not enough size to, like, this overwhelming amount of size now. Um, And also, like, I feel like if you're trading into that, like, five to seven range, um, you are expecting the person you draft to start, maybe not right away, but you want them starting within the first year, year and a half. And so same, same thing goes for Anthony Black. I love Anthony Black. The shooting concerns aside, he does everything else well. Yeah. He would just be such a good um tip of the spear defender. Um and um but yeah, I, I don't know. It's just like they, they have the assets, like because you know, whether Keldon's whether or not he's on the like available or not is irrelevant. Like they have the assets between Devin and Keldon. And I don't, again, I don't think they want to trade Devin, I don't think they want to trade Sohan. I don't think they would trade him for anybody else in this draft who's mm-hmm. not named Victor Wimbenyama, but like they have the players and certainly they have the assets, like all the Atlanta picks, that Toronto pick, which may uh, they might get as soon as next year because who knows what Toronto's going to do? Uh, yeah, the um, the Chicago they have a Chicago pick coming in, in a couple of years, that uh, Boston pick swap they are their own picks. So I mean, I feel like they could like they could overwhelm a team with just future draft capital and get up there. Casey um, Wallace, I think would be the perfect because of his, the way he could spread the floor and spot up. I think he's like the perfect archetype of point guard to play next to the rest of the guys I have on the team. But I don't know. It feels, it's just, it's so unspurs for them to just, especially to make such a big move, like I, packaging 33 and 44 to move into the twenties. I could, absolutely see yeah it's Mm -hmm. like seeing them being like all right we just we just gave up one of the atlanta unprotecteds, and we just gave up our own unprotected i don't know like that's just hard for me to
1: do you think that gets them do you think one of those teams says yes in the in the top 10 where um, – I mean like from like six through 10 range, like sure. just two future first, not kelden or, like no, or like not an actual player? No. Do, do you like, think that's not it's – it's not enough to move from six? Okay, that's well, interesting.
3: Maybe maybe Washington because Washington okay. has just done a pretty hard reset on – Yeah,
1: very true. – on mm-hmm.
3: what they're doing. They're just trying to like get – they're just trying to get money off the book. So maybe Washington does, but I feel like the Magic want to compete. They don't have any yes. use for, for more – draft capital. I mean, everyone could use more draft capital. It's not priority. The Pacers never want to tank and I think they probably view this as a really strong position for them. They started off really strong last year. I think they feel like they could make the playoffs. Uh, Washington, we just talked about, like, they've hit the reset button, so maybe. Um, But I also think, like, you'd have to overwhelm them. Like, that's like, I don't know, like, maybe like, you know, the Spurs top two protected and the Atlanta unprotected, you know, just like something like really overwhelming um i think the jazz are, are good they've like i don't know how many more picks they think they need um yeah
1: they, they've stuck a lot and same thing for the thunder they don't want more with the
3: thunder <laughs> i don't th- i think the Raptors would just be like we're not answering your phone calls please do not call us anymore about <laughs> about trades um uh, especially if leaves them right, right exactly yeah. like exactly and then that just leaves us with the mavs at 10 and the pelicans at 14 and again i think those teams are looking for players so yeah, exactly. yeah, it's, it's hard. It, it's, it,
1: it's hard. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm just going to read Mike fingers, actual tweets, just cause I, I don't want to say the word shopping. I feel like like I, I kind of just threw that. I threw that out there. I want to give him sure. exactly yeah, what he yeah, yeah. said. So <laughs> I'm just going to underread his two tweets that he tweeted earlier. And uh, I, I do want to note that Trevor and I are recording this on uh, this episode on the Monday, June 19th. So here's what finger wrote. Uh, just for the sake of due diligence ask Brian, Wright If there's any realistic deal out there that would make the Spurs open to dealing Devin Bissell or Keldon Johnson. No, he said before I could finish. Uh, stressed how much uh, the Spurs want to find out what this group can do. Kind of what you said there, Trevor, they just want to see, you know, he wants to see the guys, like you said, the guys he drafted, What what is this team capable of at least for half a season there? Uh, and then he put um, package the two second rounders together to move up. Wright said, sure, maybe use for future draft assets to move up. Wright said, sure, maybe trade Vassal or Johnson Wright said no flat like so again that's giving some again he not, we're not saying yeah. that he was they were shopping them but I think like Trevor's saying like if if it's Kelden and you know that that the teams are calling about maybe the like the Spurs are having a conversation right? they're not going to say yes but you know and that, that's the that's the difficult thing about moving into getting one of these players like Anthony Black or Jairus Walker is that like Trevor said you have to give one of these these, these teams like the Pelicans or or the Mavs, you have to give them a real player who's already playing the, the Pacers. That's the hard thing. If you're not willing to give up Keldon, yeah. then it gets a little bit tougher for those Doug, win now kind of teams. Doug,
3: Doug McDermott's expiring. It's not going to get it.
1: done. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then I just want to ask you this. Uh, uh, so obviously we've had that that conversation about you know what what it, what it would take to try to move up. Mm-hmm. Are there any other prospects that that intrigue you? Maybe the Spurs haven't had any interest in these players. So there's um, some other players in that six to like fourteen range. Or Oscar Thompson, um, six seven. We have Taylor Hendricks, six nine. Derek Lively, the second, seven one. And then uh, Bilal Koulibaly, a Wemby's actual teammate um, in France, uh, six seven. Any of those players intrigue you? If the Spurs were, should the Spurs try to move up for one of those players? Uh,
3: yeah, I mean all all four. Intrigued me to a certain extent Oscar Thompson's hard for me just because like part of me is like I don't know what he excels in on on offense and at the same time like Andre Iguodala is one of my favorite players ever and I couldn't tell you what Andre Iguodala excels in uh offensively um so like he's he's like the ultimate connector you know what I mean so like mm-hmm. yeah. I think that's um that's hard um for me to say on Oscar Thompson but I just do not buy the jump shot and like um, I guess, and and I'm of the opinion, and I know I get a lot of um, people clapping back at me on Twitter about this, but like, I guess I need to see Jeremy Sullivan be a, an average floor spacer before I okay before I believe that he's going to become an average floor spacer. Like shooting free throws one handed at a consistent rate is, I think it's great for his confidence, like, like because now he, I'm sure he feels like I can attack the basket, and if I have to go to the free throw line. I have something that's going to get me making 75, 80% of my free throws at, Whereas, opposed to at the beginning of the season, I can't even remember what he was shooting. Like it was, I think it was sub 50%. Um, so to me, like yeah. that's the, that was the important development for Jeremy Soheim is, is the jumper's not there. Um, but he has other ways of, of contributing on from a scoring front. Um, so, but having <laughs> Trey Jones who cannot shoot yet, uh, from distance, uh, Jeremy saw him not shoot yet from distance, and then like throwing a Thompson into the mix. It's like man, like I I can't remember the name of the, the new shooting coach the Spurs got, but that's just a lot of, that's a lot, yeah. of, that's a <laughs> lot to throw on his plate. Taylor Hendricks I find very intriguing. I think like maybe he's a little too, um, he occupies too much of the same space that Wembenyama would on offense, but also maybe if you're getting him in the ten range. I don't know, maybe maybe he's just a perfect bench guy, uh early. Uh, like mm-hmm. who's who's a good like Trey Murphy uh for New Orleans comes off the bench. Oh yeah. Um and um or at least he was, you know, like when they're healthy, when they're fully healthy, mm-hmm. Trey Murphy comes off the bench. And I think he was a late lottery pick. He was a late lottery pick. So it's not like unheard of that young late lottery picks come off the bench. Uh Derek Lively, I think, is um very intriguing for all the reasons that we talked about with Zach Collins starting, like you don't want, you want a full, you want a five next to Wendy, like almost at all times. And so that's a guy that looks like he can defend the post. It looks like he can defend the rim. Maybe he can an outside shot. I don't know. Like, the workout videos are intriguing, but we'll see. And then Bali, I don't know, man, like that guy's just seems like he's all potential, you know? And I mean, I know he's been productive in the playoffs, but like, he just seems so raw and like, like he's very much a boomer bus guy. And I don't know, like if you already have Wemby, maybe it's okay to go boomer. Maybe it's okay to, yeah. to take a stab on a boomer bus guy, especially if it's a late lottery boomer bus guy. And at the very least, like that helps uh that helps Wemby's transition to the top from Europe, you know, to have one of his, one of his teammates there with him. So, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued by all four, all, all four of those guys. And it, if you told me the Spurs packaged 33 44 and a future unprotected first to go get one of those guys, I I'd probably, I don't think I'd be upset with any of that.
1: Yeah, no. Same, same here. I would definitely, especially if I like a player like Koulibaly, who like, I just like the fact that he was, he's 18, he's already playing, you know, pro ball and, and really, really showing up and helping, helping Wemby and, and you know, that, that French team yeah. uh, get as far um, as they did.
3: Two guys I do like, Paul. Uh, they're a little bit farther down than this, and I don't think I've heard them mention anywhere as far as the Spurs go. But um just a couple of guards are uh Jalen Hood Shafino and, um, okay. and Kobe Bufkin. Um I like I've been watching some Jalen Hood Shafino lately and it's like um, one thing that Matt Tynan uh and Bruno Passos and I often go back and forth about is like who would be the good um you know Parker to Wemby's Duncan uh who would be the good Jamal Murray to Wendy's Jokic, and mm-hmm. um man and maybe it's just from a the way he looks on the court but jalen hood Shafino looks like he can hit yes his, the three's not there yet but like just the way he can kind of snake into the lane and hit a pull-up jumper or even get to the rim like with a good floater or something just i, I just maybe i've got too much jamal murray on my brain yeah. but but yeah, yeah that's a,
1: he's a good player if that's,
3: that's very one. appealing oh, down the road and then and then kobe buffkins like um you know, it's like almost like he looks like the guy that I feel like they were hoping uh, Josh Primo was going to become like one of those like
0: yeah.
3: can just like he's going to be able to defend the hell out of the ball because he's so long and he can he can play on the ball here. He can play off the ball primarily, but then hopefully you you think he could be on the ball a little bit more as his career progresses. So two guys um, I've become really fond of as this uh, as this draft cycle's has on.
1: I want to I want to throw some names at you. Just kind of just tell me if any of these players interest you. So let's say that the Spurs can package a twenty two and um, I mean not 22 33 and and forty four and get get somewhere like in the twenties, a first round pick yep. in the twenties this year's ooh, draft. Ooh. And so I know you can't really see this, but I'm just gonna read some names to you. Let me know if any of these players intrigue you. These, these players are ranged from like eighteen to like uh, stop here at twenty five, somewhere in that range. Okay. Uh, we have Keontae George six four out of Baylor, Nick Smith Jr. six five out of Arkansas, Bryce Sensabaugh six six out of Ohio State, and then um. Olivier Max, Maxence uh, Prosper, um, six eight out of tw- out of uh, out of Marquette. Any of those players, that the Spurs were to try to put a, um, you know, package those those two second rounders, uh, sure, or no, or sure, rounders? Um,
3: like Keontae and Nick Smith for a lot of the same reasons I mentioned about Kobe Bupkin, like the ability to play on and off ball. You know, Nick Smith had a really weird injured year, and when he came back mm. to Arkansas, it was like. You know I, he came back so late that it was like trying to get him, trying to fit him into a team that kind of had already, um, I think figured it out, its rotation and everything. So it was just weird, but I do remember like it might have been when they were playing Alabama, they were playing a high profile SEC team, and I just remember there was like a stretch where Anthony Black, excuse me, Anthony Black, um, got early foul trouble, and all of a sudden Nick Smith just became the team's point guard and was, was, was just being a floor general out there. And I was like, Oh man, look at that. But then like, maybe there's something more than just like, he's, you know, he's maybe, he's not just like Lou Williams, which would be awesome. By the way, someone becomes Lou Williams. Like that's, that's amazing. Um, But I thought maybe there was some more like, like lead ball handler to the, Mm -hmm. to him. And, um, but then, you know, this this freshman year was just kind of a mess and Keontae George, I feel like is more off ball than on ball at this point, But, Mm -hmm. but there's those possibilities right there. And then, I know you mentioned Omax, Who was the fourth version?
1: Uh, what was I going to say? Bryce Sensible?
3: Bryce Sensible. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> they, got, they got a lot of guys who are either threes or twos. and um, But he's a hell of a scorer. So if if they mm-hmm. just decided they needed more scoring punch off the bench, I wouldn't trade up for him. If he fell, though, for sure. Okay. Um, and the same Omax I would probably move up into the late. You know, like the late to mid 20s to get just because I feel like he's, um, you know, someone who can defend up and um, it just sounds seems like he's just going to be the perfect role player. Like if he doesn't learn to shoot, that's like going to be the only thing he's not going to be able to do at that wing position. Um, And you I think you should I think teams should value that uh, later in the first round.
1: Okay. And now, so before we go into the second round picks, I kind of just want to preface it with this Um, again, because the Spurs have, uh, there's, 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 they're going to have some, some, they're going to have Wemby coming in. And uh, they're just, I want to give some shout out to Jeff McDonald on a recent um, uh, Express news podcast that they have McDonald. He didn't report that the Spurs are, you know, trying to package those two picks, but that's just the general assumption that they're trying to um, move, you know, to turn to those two second rounders into maybe a first or, or a future pick down the road but they don't, they don't really want to draft there at 33 and 44. But let's just say they can't find a deal and they do need to draft at 33 and 44. So that's what we're gonna explore here on this question, Trevor. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna read you a bunch of prospects that are kind of on different mocks at 33. Some some of these players are a little bit ahead or further behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then just tell me who, who intrigues you there at thir- if that player falls there at 33. So we have uh, Dariq Whitehead, uh, uh, Jamie Jackiz Jr., uh, Kobe Jones, Gigi Jackson, Marcus Sasser, Andre Jackson, or is there someone else you would prefer at 33 if those players are sure. there?
3: So I do, I like, I like derek Whitehead was, um, you know, a lottery prospect before the season started. He's broken his mm-hmm. foot. He's broke, or I shouldn't say he's broken his foot twice. He has had surgery on his foot twice uh, now in the last two years. And, um, I don't think, um, from what I've read, it doesn't sound like it's anything like, it's not like it's debilitating or anything, but two foot surgeries is two foot surgeries, but he can really space the floor, um, He's got great size on defense, so I think those are just like, those are two things that you really look for at the end of the, uh, at the end of the first round, mm. um, or I guess at the at thirty three. We're talking about at thirty three, right?
1: Yeah, thirty
3: three. Yeah, so even more so uh, at the top of the at the top of the second. Jaime Hake is, um, man, that's kind of my dream guy at thirty three because like he's just he just does everything. I think yes. in a more open offense, uh, a more open openly spaced offense like I think he's, he's going to start hitting jumpers and stuff like that and just like if the Spurs don't want to spend money to bring back to Bates Diop like Jaime Haka is, is ideal to yes. like be that like fourth or fifth guy off like wing off the bench you know like so he 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 can do the spot starting thing for a little bit but maybe he's only doing 10 or 15 minutes a game other nights but he's just going to do a little bit of everything and he's older you know like he's 22 mm-hmm. or 23 now um so he'd be one of the adults in the room <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, i don't have much of an opinion on colby jones to be perfectly honest with you Gigi mm-hmm. jackson so matt Tynan, and i do not think will be upset if i if i out him on this he loves Gigi jackson like just the, oh. the scoring upside like but there might be some i mean there are maturity questions for oh, him okay. so i think that where i've settled on is I don't think the Spurs want any part of anybody who's got maturity issues. Um, and if the maturity issues seem overblown, Gigi Jackson is not going to be there at 33. <laughs> so like, yeah. he's either going to be there and the Spurs want no part of him or the Spurs are actually interested in him, but he'll be gone by then. Um, uh, Sasser would uh, look, you, you tell me they're going to get an explosive score <laughs> not explosive score, but someone who can add some scoring punch off the bench at 33 i'm in um uh, andre jackson i don't uh, he's just kind of a blind spot for me i'll tell you one guy one guy i'm interested in to see if he falls paul is, is james james naji who's playing in spain okay. right now and he just measured at seven feet tall with like a seven eight wingspan mm. and you know he's a, he's a lob catcher he's like uh if anyone just if any player if any uh, listeners looking for a player archetype, like he's in that he's in the Tyson Chandler mold because of how freaking huge he is. Um and again, this goes back to the protect Wemby at all costs. And so like you got Collins, Zach Collins for now, and like maybe Zach Collins works, and I'm I've actually um really come around on Zach Collins as an NBA starter. I was mm. very I was just very like eh on him um, even as, as late as midway through last season, but man, once Pearl got traded and he stayed healthy, he was, you know, just, he he just looked like everything you'd hoped he would be when he came out of college, when he came out of Gonzaga, but we cannot rule out that he's been injured for most of his career. And also that maybe he just, there is a ceiling to somebody like Mm -hmm. that Collins. And so I just personally would like if they can get like, an athletic freak who they can just, you know, maybe he spends most of his time in Austin. Um, maybe he's just on the bench, just learning. It's, you know, I, I just like the potential that that guy has. Um, so that's like Jaime Hawkins and, and James Nagy are like my two guys where I'm like, please let him fall to 33. Please let him fall to 33.
1: Okay, so and and uh, yeah, I know uh, um, Naji has been kind of like late first round to like you know maybe even yeah. early second round. So, so he's definitely he could definitely fall there. I've seen his name on the boards. Yeah. I, I definitely like a uh, uh, is What he did with UCLA, I mean, these last two or three years, and just especially when he gets the tournament. I mean, he just keeps them in games. I mean, he's just he's just one of those like hardworking, willing players. Like you said, like he's just like a, he's gonna do, do like kind of what k Bates' job does. Just kind of just does his job, does all the yeah. messy work, does all the dirty work that doesn't come up in the box score. Uh, yeah, yeah so I'm really. Um, we like him a lot, so let me just ask you this. Uh, so it's, it's not really how the question stated, but what percentage would you even say that Thursday comes and they still they still have that pick? Do you think that they, they're they still like have basically 30. what's the percentage that they're going to trade the pick? What what do you think?
3: I think thirty three is like I think sixty six percent that they make that pick.
1: Okay. Mine was 60%. I just say I yeah. think sixty percent that it's not even going I used. think
3: I think it's a two-thirds chance that that, that pick mm-hmm. gets used. I think well I know we're gonna move on to forty four here in a little bit. I think forty four percent like I would flip it. I'd say there's like a sixty six percent chance that pick gets traded.
1: Okay, okay. So I think, like, yeah, I think it's like a 60% chance that 33 is moving. Yeah. Uh, all right, now it's kind of the same approach here with 44. These are just players that have kind of popped up on some um, mocks. Uh, Olivier uh, Mexens-Prosper, who you mentioned earlier. Again, this is more of sort of an outlier, the fact that he only won mock at him at 44. So I think his range is definitely from late first round, so I don't think he'll be there at forty-four. 44. Uh, we already talked about Andre Jackson, another new player here. Uh, Tristan, um, Tristan Vukcevic, Vuk- Vuk- uh seven-footer. Um, draft range is, is about uh 41st uh seth lundy 66 uh average draft range is 43rd kobe brown 68 uh draft range is 47th and then amani bates (laughs) 610 draft range is about 50 seconds a little bit later than the Spurs' pick um or is there anyone else you would so just give me like if you have any opinion on any of these guys and then if not uh is there anyone you you would prefer the spurs take if that player is at forty-four?
3: so one guy i did see that they did work out um In that, who would be in that range? Is Jordan Walsh from uh, Arkansas? Yes, yes. Totally in that. Omax, Andre Jackson, uh, Kobe Brown, like that. That realm of player, you know, like that. Yes, you know, if you're if you're bunching play, if you're putting players into bunches, like Jordan Walsh is in there, Um, and like I don't know. I also like the idea. I don't know what you think about this, Paul, but like um, find like someone who can do a lot of the stuff that Sohan does on. Defense and even some of like the cutting stuff that he does at offense, but like just the ball handling's not there, you know what I mean? Like, mm. just to, like basically, like, all right, we're gonna take Sohan out and we're gonna bring in Sohan Light. Like, I just kind of like the idea of like finding like a Sohan Light who's got a who, who has a, a ceiling as a bench player, but like a really helpful bench player. Um, so in that sense, like Omax, uh, Andre Jackson again, who like just uh, my cursory knowledge of. He's in that area. Uh, Jordan Walsh, also just like, I'm okay. certainly interested in those. Um, you know, I'm going to talk about Amani Bates. I like. I feel bad for Imani Bates because he was just like the next Kevin Durant when he was 14, wow. which is just yeah. a stupid thing to uh, mm-hmm. to put on anyone. And then he didn't grow, and you know, he bounced around from one college to another, and just a mess. Um, but like, I don't know if he can just understand that his uh, his best chance to succeed especially early is to just try his ass off on defense and be a catch and shoot like maestro like that's not like a bad player to have and so hopefully like he's gotten enough feedback that says like you need to focus on these two things and then just let the rest of it come to you but if people have been calling you the next Kevin Durant for like since you were 14 it's um, it's really hard to like to change someone's mind about that, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, yeah, just like you said there with Jordan Walsh, I do you want to say that? Um, you know, he the Spurs did work him out, and he was actually the, uh, he's on my on my draft board just because this, he was actually coming up on different mocks for San Antonio a few weeks ago, and then just yeah. this latest. And I just checked the the mocks today, and that's kind of where I got these numbers from. And uh, he wasn't there, but he's definitely in, in that realm there uh, in, in the draft range.
3: It's crazy. Like you listen to like um, yeah, Sam Bisigni really good about pointing this. Yes. Out. So, I, the the mm-hmm. difference between like pick 25 and pick 45 can just be like a front office guy believing in you more than other front office guys do like right. the, the you know the, the 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 skill range of of like a pick 25 and a pick 45 mm-hmm. sometimes depending on the draft is not like that it's not a big gap like you would think a 20 pick gap would be um so I guess it's just something to keep in mind as people are like if someone drops from 25 to 45, like that sucks for them. That sucks for their, their bank account, but it doesn't mean they're like that much worse than the guys who got picked ahead of them.
1: So like, like you mentioned uh right, right before this, you think that that 44 is probably gonna get traded, right? That's your, your...
3: I would get uh, unless no. like, unless, um, well, I don't know. Like, I guess one, one thing I've never really totally gotten the graph on is like how much is 33 worth or like is 33 and 44 enough to get you to 26 you know like
0: yeah i don't um, know, know. Mm-hmm.
3: I, I don't know like i i've never totally been able to and i'm sure it's it varies from draft to draft i've always been um like i could tell you that two future first two future protected first are worth the 14 pick in a draft but the truth is i have no idea um so i think one of those picks gets moved i don't know which one um i would bet on 33 getting picked and 44 getting moved but I don't know. That's a good it's a great question.
1: Yeah, if they can't find a package where like um they put two for one, like you know, two two seconds for a first, I yeah. think one thing to look at is some of those like playoff teams that are already kind of like almost like capped out on all they have are like veteran minimums. And so that's where you yeah. see those, those scenarios where like, oh, the Lakers bought a second round pick or you know, the Clippers bought a second. I think that's just, that's the case where the, where a team that, that you know is kind of capped out and doesn't have they want a young player and they, they'll put that player like on a three year deal with that new CBA um, for the yeah. second round play, picks. That's where I see that maybe an individ there's individual transactions where where teams take those those two picks off the Spurs' hands. That's why I think that's that's why I'm very uh, high on on the chances of both those those picks being moved because even if it's not for a two for one, then mm-hmm. I think those those capped out teams are going to are going to you know somebody like Phoenix who's going to need right. you know they're going to need as much help as yes. possible at this point to, to have some sort of young players on their team. So,
3: I yeah. So. Wonder i also wonder paul like is um like i don't think the spurs want to move blake wesley but like i don't know like would would like does 33 44 and blake wesley get them up higher into the 20s and i don't know the i honestly have no idea what the answer to that is but like i guess i just wonder um like i don't know like i don't know i I would be curious to know what other teams think of blake wesley like that yeah, sure. Everyone saw him in the G League. Everyone saw his potential in the G League. Um, but is that one of those things where teams would try to like buy low on him just because he's like the last guy in the rotation and the Spurs are like, no, like we, we want to put more time into this guy.
1: Yeah, that's that's a good question because he's definitely one of the players like whenever I talk about like players are not gonna trade or like usually Branham or Sohan so, hand. so yeah. Whereas Wesley, I don't I don't put that you know that preference on, on his name. Sure. I just think that, yeah, I like, think that if there's a deal out there they would I, based on just well, again, it's just one year what I saw from him. But again, I wasn't, you know, it, it's hard to like, like I mentioned this in prior Spurs cast. The fact that Sohan had such a good season year one, and so did so did Brandon. It was just always going to be difficult for Blake to to match that, just because you know the other two had had such a good season. So that's that's an interesting question. Yeah, I, I do wonder. And so um, yeah, we'll kind of see what happens on Thursday, man. Here we go. I mean, we we know the easiest job, man. I hadn't updated the uh, my my mock sheet since uh, since they we knew they got Wemby. Like you know that was it's it like. That's it's almost like those years when they had the championship teams when all we had to worry about was like 25 Corey Joseph, you know, that that kind of player. We didn't really have to worry about draft stuff. And now, I mean, it, it, I had been way more engaged in it once, you know, these last few years with them getting lottery picks. But now that we know they have Wemby, I mean, it was pretty easy. I
3: was going say, it's, it's been amazing. like, actually it's actually been a pretty um, boring. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, for a, like it's been a boring month because it's like once they got Wimbanyama, it was like, even if they got gotten like two or three, I'd have been like, well, they trade down. What if they especially if they got in like three? Cause then it's like, well, what does it cost to get the two to make sure you get the guy you want? And like none of that stuff matters. Like I was uh, on, on Matt Tynan's podcast, I was mm-hmm. like maybe it was just out of board. It wasn't just out of border. I really believe in Scoot Henderson, but I was like, they should just call Portland and blow them away with an offer for Scoot Henderson. <laughs> like just if, if Scoot Henderson's really falling to the three, they should just offer Keldon like two or three unprotected picks. And I was like, I think I did that because I really like Scoop, but I also think I did that because there just hasn't been anything else going on for the Spurs yeah. this draft cycle. Like it's like they didn't have an extra even an extra first where we could figure out what they were doing. So, but it's all gonna be like it's gonna flip after this because then he's gonna. It sounds like Wembenyama is gonna play a little bit of uh, of summer league. Maybe play summer league. Uh, current residents of Sacramento, California, Paul. We don't know. Oh but man, we're summer,
1: we're. Go- we're both going for two different places. You're going for Sacramento yeah, for him to play. Going I'm going. going Vegas. I'm going to Vegas, yeah, because I'm going to be there for for the first part of the of the week, the first week of summer league. So. so the
3: the California Classic, which is what the Sacramento Summer League's called, is um, it's two games per team. It's, yeah. it's 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 Monday, July 3rd, and it's Wednesday, July 5th. And
1: Charlotte and the Lakers, which Charlotte you know, I Lakers. It, mm-hmm, that could be I will the be there.
3: One. I will be in. I will 100 be in the building for. That first game, because I feel like if if he's going to play, it is going to be that first day. Like they're not going to want to risk anything yeah. that second day. And then I think the same thing with Vegas. Like I, their Vegas schedule hasn't been released yet, but yeah. I'm assuming it's going to be like Portland or whoever picks at three, or um, it's going to be some other like quote yeah. Vegas summer league high profile game. Um, so it's going to be um, it's going to be a really fun summer, I think. I and just. You know, this is probably I don't remember the Spurs like draft process when they were picking Tim Duncan. I remember vividly when Tim Duncan was picked and when they won the lottery that year. Um, But I'm sure this is just as boring. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah no no it's going to be a fun summer like you mentioned i mean just you want know, fireworks it's going to have to happen because like I, I just read that new cva note that they have to meet the to. minimum till minimum team salary by by training camp by training camp sure. Ooh, so they basically got to spend that money in july like they got to that, you know that whether it's training for players or yes. signing players so that's going to be it's going to be def- definitely a more aggressive offseason than we're used to seeing the spurs
3: i think it's i think it's definitely going to be like trey jones is going to get his money but then mm-hmm. i don't think trey jones getting his money is all that I think they have to do at least one more thing. So, whether that's oh, yeah, for on, sure. No, they have to take on yeah. someone's contract, or um, we, you know, we were talking about when have around him. I like the idea of um, I don't like it as much as I did once I knew that Collins was kind of like that they, they have plans for Collins, but like I like Nas reed I think if you gave Nas reed, um a decent contract and a promise of of consistent minutes, whether that's off the bench or starting at five, like, but like a consistently good role. That's, that's a guy that I really like. He can floor space. He can.
1: Thanks to Ben and Trevor for joining me on this episode. I also want to say thank you to Joe Garcia for mixing and producing this episode from all of us at Project Spurs. Stay safe and have a great day.